thing, but the, the controversy and the argument and the rage goes on. So I guess it's a timeless conversation. We can just plug different names and locales into it as we speak. Yeah, it's pretty easy these days because everybody seems to be stuck on this one kind of an issue. Yeah. Well, what do you think of it? I think that it's a perfect example of proving that government doesn't work and it no longer represents the needs and wants of the people that it's supposed to represent. When you have legislatures busying themselves with issues like this, in the face of everything else that has gone amok in this country, it's really a joke, isn't it? Well, that's pretty much been our argument. Uh, but let's let's take it on face value for what it is. I mean, we all agree, at least those in the media and those with any sense about them, as soon as you take one step of censorship, the next person they're going to be coming after is yourself. So censorship is bad. But what about, you know, you, you have stretched lyrics in your songs, but you've never even come close with anything that Two Live Crew is putting out. Now, what are your observations on that? Well, the fact is that there is no such thing as a dirty word. The whole business is based on the idea that there's uh, such a, a phenomenon as a dirty word. I think this is superstition rather than fact. Well, you're going to have to elaborate a little. I mean, there there are words that have taken on that connotation as being dirty because we want them to. Well, the people who want them to be dirty are people who are, who are connected with religion. Now, religion is fine if you want to belong to it and you want to live your life that way. But religion has no place in government. If you want a government that's influenced by religion, move to Iran and see what they got over there. Yeah. <laughs> What is your, uh, now you were at the hearings with Tipper Gore, uh, are you still carrying that on and, and uh, where do you stand as far as that goes because I noticed somebody apprised us that there's a labeling issue coming up before Louisiana as we speak. Um, I'm waiting to find out whether or not the governor is going to veto that. Uh, most of the people in the record industry are pretty well cheesed off with the state of Louisiana because they had planned conventions. and. Uh, I believe that the, uh, I think it was going to be the, the Grammy Museum or something like that was going to be built there. They're threatening to pull all that business and, and money out of the state right. if the legislature continues to act in the irresponsible way that they have been going. But you don't know where, you don't... I haven't heard any final word whether or not Buddy Romer is going to approve this piece of okay. legislation. Yeah, because what we... will tell you that that, that issue, though, I mean, Louisiana is turning out to, uh, to get a national reputation almost as bad as Florida in terms of uh, police state procedures when uh -huh. it comes to personal freedom. And when they uh, voted on that abortion bill that was supposed to be the toughest in the nation, the amount of phone calls and letters that the legislature got on that was less than the amount of phone calls that they got on the record rating bill. Are you aware of that? No. And when you consider what a hot topic the abortion business is, I think it's rather amazing that finally <clears throat> the consumers uh, are speaking up on this issue saying, hey, we don't want it, we don't need it. Yeah. Do you, you think it's the Deep South mentality, as you say, that Louisiana, we, we are becoming, I guess, nationally known as a, uh, a redneck censorship type of state? Well, you know, California's got its own bad reputation, let's be honest about it. But I think that the... Uh, the reputation in the media that is being developed by Florida just because one after another we see these news stories about stupid decisions yeah. being taken by judges and legislatures and then CNN ran the story about uh, going after to, to prosecute the women in bikinis selling hot dogs on the beach. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> what kind of a retirement paradise is this? Let me, 
getting back to, um, and I, we have a lot of callers, and I know you don't have much time to spend with us. In um, date is 751-9463 if you'd like to speak with Frank Zappa this afternoon. Also, Broward 524-WIOD and in Palm Beach, 655-WIOD. You know, you opened up and we, we started talking about two live crew, and I said that they, you never in all of your music have stretched it as far as they have, but you, you made a, um, uh, I don't even know how to classify the statement that there are no dirty words. Well, I don't think that there is such thing as a dirty word. A word is just a bunch of letters put together. If now, you... If, you, if you want to go beyond the words, see, the argument has been about words, but what has happened in Florida with the decision of the judge to call this album obscene, basing it on the idea that it creates filthy thoughts, that, that is what sets you guys apart in that state, because now you're developing legislature for thought control. Exactly. And that is... That's the critical issue. That's anybody with half a brain can look beyond that to say, if you have legislation uh, that says any object, whether it's a word or something that you look at or something like that, that induces a dirty thought is obscene and illegal, how are you going to enforce that? Are you going to go around, uh, you know, if it's a record that can make you have a dirty thought, what about a greeting card? What about an ad for an automobile? Well, you know, this has been going on, though, for years with a variety of things. I mean, there's sodomy acts, there's laws against that. You know, how do you enforce it? You can't enforce it, but nevertheless, they're on the books. Well, the only, the net result of unenforceable laws is great bucks for lawyers. Exactly. That's one of the reasons why this country is in such bad shape is because we have produced this bumper crop of lawyers Thank you, sir. looking for ways to perpetuate their own miserable existence. Amen. And if they don't uh, make life miserable for the people in this country by gumming up the courts, then they, they take the next logical step, which is to go into politics. So you have people who are trained to lie. That's what a lawyer does for a living. So what's your solution to that? Uh, well, you know, the Ayatollah, when he took over in Iran, lined every lawyer in the country up and shot him. I don't want to go quite that far, but any parent... I like it. <clears throat> Maybe we just line him up and hit him or something. <laughs> <laughs> any parent who is saying to their little boy, now, come on, Sonny, become a lawyer. You know, stop doing it. <laughs> they ought to be parent. shot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if you had your way, what, you know, how would you... My... I get tongue-tied when it comes to this because I have so many thoughts and, you know, my views have changed since I've been a parent. Now, I know you are a parent, but I don't know if you're a representation of parenthood because you are Frank Zappa. I mean, nobody else has a parent like Frank Zappa. Uh, a lot of parents who grew up on your music, which I am one, uh, their, their views change once they have these little kids come in. Uh, I can, on one sense... Not everybody is as hip as you are, which leaves pretty much 99 and 9 tenths percent of Americana as parents out in that other field who don't really know what's going on with music, who have no idea what their kids are listening to, who don't really know how to guide them. And to them, they may be saying, hey, what's wrong with the label? These people can produce anything they want and just give me an inkling because it's, it's hard enough to raise children as a parent as to what's inside there so I can look and say, is this good for my son or daughter or not? First of all, if you put a label on, who gets to decide what's good and what's bad? That's a problem. As far as the people who are putting the labels on. That's right. Okay. I mean, you want the government to participate in that? I mean, they can't even run the economy. Well, exactly. You know, so but if, look, you, if you need help, why would you turn to anything as inefficient as the government, whether it's state or federal? Okay. 
And the other thing is, what is the menace that we're talking about? Why is it so important that certain words be kept out of the ears of Americans? Well, because words represent ideas, and ideas uncontrolled uh, with immature minds and not taking in common sense of reality. Of You know, see, where I think we've gone with this whole thing is I don't think we respect any, anybody anymore. It's not the idea that these people can't say what they want. It's we're defending their right to do it, and our whole society's gone to hell because we don't think about what they're, they're doing. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I don't agree with it because the fact is that the way in which these decisions have come down <clears throat> do not permit these people to continue doing what they're doing. The whole goal of this, uh, the thrust of this, is to put them out of business. It's not about fairness. It's not about well, exactly. access to these ideas for a person who's not a child. You see, do that's you... what's wrong with the thing. If you take the object off the market, nobody can buy it. If but is... see, that's, that's not my point. I'm all for freedom of expression. Uh, censorship is, you know, it doesn't belong in our society. It doesn't belong in anybody's society because who is going to be the ultimate deciding factor? There can be nobody who can decide what another person should hear or what's going on in their mind. But the fact is, do you agree that this country has, has become more ruthless decade by decade uh, since you and I were growing up in the 60s than it, than it was at that time, and we care less about each other, and the country has become more violent, and life is, has been cheapened, and uh, all of that that goes along with it? Yes, but I'll, I'll go one step further to say all that is true, except that to blame it on two live crew is kind of uh, no, well, a little bit on the science fiction side. Exactly, and that's their whole point. When you got people like Andrew Dice Clay running around, when, you got, when it's pervasive and everything, why pick on any one thing? Well, I, I want to remind everybody of one thing. The Republican Party prides itself on being the party of Lincoln, but the Republican Party is the party of, party of Lincoln Savings and Loan. And when you have corruption <laughs> on that scale... Exactly. You know, I mean, you talk whole about bad, thing. bad examples for yeah. the nation. All you've got to do is listen to any political speech or just watch C-SPAN for a half an hour. I mean, that's enough to make you feel suicidal. Well, you're exactly right. And as far as censoring two live crew compared to this SNL thing and compared to the financial state that this country is in and the legacy that we are leaving to our children is just ridiculous. Well, uh, you know, if how, how can anybody worry about protecting the ears of our children from words uh, connected with sex when one day they're going to be hearing things like, hey, buddy, pay up. I mean, all this stuff about the SNL bailout, the, the estimate that it's going to cost every man, woman, and child $2,000 in the United States is probably optimistic. The real way to look at it is if you took the total number of taxpayers in the United States, it's going to cost each taxpayer $15,000 for which he gets no benefit. As we speak, and the, and the price is going up. Price is going up. Let I heard me... a show last night where they're saying that maybe it's not going to be a half a trillion, maybe it's going to be one trillion dollars. That's $30,000 yeah. per customer. Frank, let me put you on hold. We have to take a break. We are at Afternoon Drive here in Miami, and we have some traffic to take care of and all of that. I hope that you'll stay with us as long as your schedule will allow because we have a full board of calls, and you're an interesting guy to talk to. Well, I've got one problem. I've got a doctor's appointment at uh, 2.30, and it's on the other oh. side of town. Hey, screw we're, your health, We're doctors. Man. Yeah, we're doctors. <laughs> we can answer a whole bunch of stuff for you. Hold on just a minute, Frank. We'll be back on News Talk Radio 610 WIOD. 422, and we're on the phone with Frank Zappa. Where are you living these days, Frank? I live in Los Angeles. Okay. And, of course, your doctor happens to be all the way across town. Why don't you get a closer doctor? Yeah, I wish I could. Uh, listen, we 
have a full board of calls. There's so many things that I want to ask you. Let me take a couple of these, and uh, I want to get back into the last statement that you made just before we broke. We go first to Miami. Hello. Hi, Frank. How you doing? Hi. Hi, my name is Mike. I'm a big fan of yours. I, my greatest thrill of seeing you was getting a chance to see you do a sound check in Gainesville, 1980. And the one question I want to ask you is the introduction to the Muffin Man. What the hell is that all about? Oh, it's poetry. <laughs> What's, what are you, like, trying to express there? What poetry pertaining to what? Poetry pertaining to an absurd person who puts crumbs in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's about us. <laughs> all right, and, uh, are, you, are you giving up touring altogether? Pretty much, yeah. All right, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, I still listen to your music regularly. Thanks, Mike. Take Thank care, you Frank. for the call. Let's go to Laura. Hello, Frank? Yep. Hi. Um, I'm calling because I know back when, when you used to sing and everything, did you have so much problems with um, your music for, as far as the publicity went and like the Two Light Crew is doing? Uh, no, because what happened in the case of Two Light Crew is they were, they were singled out. Somebody decided, okay, let's go get these guys. I don't think that what that group has said or done is any more bizarre or, or right, yeah, because they... than, than the rest of what happens in that particular field of music. But I think that they were chosen because they're not particularly articulate when they go on television and try and defend themselves. And uh, they were just chosen as a target. That's basically all it comes down to. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that they also were not a major record label when they were singled out? Of course. I mean, because they weren't known beforehand. That's right. Yeah. But they're certainly well-known now, and I hope they enjoy all the money that they're making. Yeah, they're getting the it free. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. Okay, thank you. You know, you say that they are, uh, they're no different or they are singled out. But going back to the 60s when uh, the mothers and, and you were very popular, uh, nobody, I remember, you know, Country Joe, it was when we heard the F word in a song, it was like a big deal or like the passage out of the doors. Um, you know, where he walks on down the hall with the, um, you know, whatever complex that was where he wants his mother. You take a mask from the ancient hallway, exactly. past your mother's room, past your father's room. You know, those were big passages to us. It was like, you know, we, we sat around as teenagers and were titillated by that. Now, you got to admit, man, the stuff that, have you listened to the crew or seen their lyrics? You must have. Uh, well, I know what's in the album. I mean, it's, it's pretty explicit. It's farther than anybody that I can remember in music, and I've been around a long time, well, has ever gone. But the fact is, you're talking about sex. Okay, so what? Sex isn't against the law. But, but um, feminists, or, you know, and I shouldn't even say feminists because uh, they, they degrade women as far as referring to them as bitches and sex objects and, uh, and hurt them and things like that. You, you can't say that that's a healthy attitude. Look, all it is is an attitude. You can decide whether or not it's healthy, or you can also decide whether or not it's being put forward as something other than entertainment. I well, exactly. I, I, know, I realize, and in talking with you, which I've never done before, you are a man of few words, and I'm trying to more or less get a feeling of you uh, from you of our moral environment today. Not necessarily. Moral environment is not created by two live crew. It's created by the White House and all of the scum that surrounds it, and what has surrounded it for the last decade. You're talking about the, the worst thing that has ever happened to this nation is the, this hoodwinking that the Republicans have managed to accomplish. They get in there by promising people things that they can't deliver, and nobody seems to mind that while they were in there, the entire federal government turned into a cesspool. Now that sets the tone for the country. And there's no, they can release as many balloons as they want. They can give Richard Nixon the final rents and give him his library. They can have the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts marching in a parade for Richard Nixon. 
So, you know, they can do the whole thing, but, you know, they're not fooling me. What What has happened here is everybody went to sleep. They bought into the advertising and the hokum of this one nasty party, and here we are. This is the result. And now we're sitting on, on the radio talking about whether or not the moral climate of the country has been perturbed by two live crew. Give me a break. Well, no, I, but you see, I'm not throwing by two live crew into the conversation. I'm just asking for a view on the overall morality or where we are as a nation. If I'm reading you, and I and I would agree with this, but this is my own statement, that if things were better as far as the government were concerned, uh, that people had a hope, and the rich weren't getting richer, and the poor weren't getting poorer, then the morality may look towards that we do have a, a place in our future rather than live for today, and this is all that I'm, I can do. Well, this is just, it's the world of greed, and it's the world of stupidity. That's all it is anymore. I mean, there should be place for tolerance in this. Yeah. We should be able to tolerate everybody's religious views, exactly. everybody's behavior. We should be able to tolerate it because that was the idea that the country was founded on. But instead, we get preoccupied with little issues like this. Uh, the attempt to, <clears throat> to victimize this particular group and their record company actually sort of backfired on the people who tried to do it because they made a few million dollars exactly. more and, and, you know, and good for them. And meanwhile... The average guy, if he watches television news at all, and more people are turning it off because it's just too nauseating, they see that the people that they've elected to take care of the business for them have absolutely abdicated all responsibility, and they're just playing games with your cash. Right. So if I'm, if I'm reading you correctly, and this go, is going back to the attorneys, as far as this Judas Priest thing that is going on in your state, you would no, put no, off. No, it's in Nevada. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's okay. in Reno, Nevada. As I said, close to your state. Yeah. Then, then you would put this also off onto the attorneys as a, um, you know, a ploy of keeping themselves in business. And hey, your son committed suicide. What was he listening to? That's a thread we can hang off on. Let's go to that. Well, it's it's worse than that in the case of these suicide uh, cases because they're funded. And well, I believe it's probably true in, in the case of Two Live Crew. It's not just the lawyers; it's lawyers funded by the religious right. In the case of the uh, Ozzy Osbourne suicide business, it was the Pat Robertson ministry that was paying the legal fees for the parent that was going against. Uh, okay. Uh, Ozzy, and I don't know whether there is uh, whether you can trace the bucks in this. Uh, Judas Priest case in Reno back to a ministry, but it certainly smells like the same sort of thing. And I would imagine your feelings are, so what if a song says, let's commit suicide? It doesn't mean you have to. Well, most people didn't. The album <laughs> sold a few million units. If it was, if there was anything in there that would make you commit suicide, we'd be uh, severely underpopulated right now. Is there anything that can be put upon the group for initiating that, though, to less to weaker minds than you and I, and, and perhaps coming to fruition? Well, let's take a look at the real case here. These, these guys who blew themselves up, all right, they were abused children, they had drunk a lot of alcohol, and they were also using drugs. Now, does any, is anybody going after the beer company here? Okay. I mean, it's ridiculous. So it's a combination. Of course, the combination in any kind of unbalanced or abused individual is liable to do anything under pressure uh, could be triggered by any random occurrence. Uh, how many people have committed suicide after watching television news? Do we have any statistics on that? I usually would like to do it before. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. You probably don't get it there, but the front page of the Los Angeles Times today has such 
bad news on it, but that, that's probably a suicide. Oh, listen, I've come in here and I ran in a rave just going through the paper, and I had a great show planned, and by the time I got through the paper, I was just angry as hell. Yeah, well, you know, I and think basically, most people, most most people was... should get angry, but I think that they also have to get a plan in order to fix it, because well, it is, uh, it's very... It would be a big mistake to let things continue to go on the way they are. Yeah. The people that are in these state legislatures, as the federal government kicks the football back in the state legislature arena, you have to be a lot more careful of who you elect to state positions because they're going to be making the laws that affect you where you live. Listen, I understand that you have some things going on abroad. If you can stay with us for about two and a half minutes for a news break, I'd like you to tell us I, I, you're doing something with Russia. Oh, yeah, I can talk about that. Okay. We'll be back. We have the news coming up here on 610 as we converse with Frank Zappa this afternoon on WIOD. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Martin with your 430 update. We're able to make that about 90 seconds. I know Frank has a doctor's appointment, of which he may be a little bit late to. Frank, before we bail out of here, there's one call I'd like you to take. I have a monitor off to my left, and he's gone on one. That was the one guy I wanted to talk oh. to. It said, a proud lawyer, anti-Zappa, and I wanted to hear how you handled that. Well, forget <laughs> it. No fisticuffs this afternoon. What's the deal with Russia? Uh, I've been As over pertaining there five, to you. I've been over there five times, and um, I've met a lot of people that wanted to uh, create some sort of international business, and I do what I can to help them. You know, some people in the film business. And, Did I see you on the Letterman show talking about this? Not on Letterman. I haven't done him for about four years. Which I, I thought I saw you on some TV show. Well, you know, <laughs> I've done a bunch of. Have you? Uh, okay. Well, you have to pardon me. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a radio host. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I think that uh, things are developing in the Soviet Union, and uh, I think that there are a lot of U.S. businessmen that would like to uh, take advantage of the market that's going to be opening up over there, and. Anything that I can do to help, I like it. Well, what's the deal as far as economy and all of that? Their money, as I understand, doesn't mean anything to the rest of the world. Yeah, but see, the, it's a question of value. You know, the money is a, it's a document that represents value, and there are other ways to extract value from the business deal. Because well, as I say, so this is, this is kind of an, an interesting economic challenge because the money is almost a byproduct. It's kind of a, a bartering-type system, isn't it? Uh Usually the Western partner gets his value out in commodities. Okay. So if there are certain, like, for example, uh, one of the ways that Pepsi-Cola gets their money out is they take birch wood, which there is plenty of it there, and they make furniture for their uh, pizza huts. Why didn't I think of that? You know, so if they sell Pepsi in there, you'd say, well, they're not getting any money because the rubles are no good. But right. on the other hand, they're getting all this uh, solid furniture for the Pizza Hut chain for zip. And so there is value exchange, and that's the way a lot of these deals work. Well, a logical line of thought may be, so how did Frank Zappa get involved in all of this? It was just an accident. I was invited over there uh, with a guy who was thinking about opening a guitar factory. And uh, when I looked around, I saw opportunities, and I thought that I ought to tell people about them. What do you see as their state of affairs and as far as um, uh, their enlightenment and joining the Western world and, and the direction they're headed? I think that the television news especially gives a very bad representation of what what's really going on over there. 
because the uh, media is still twinged with all this old Cold War mentality. And I'll tell you that things are changing rapidly in the Soviet Union. They still have political problems. They still have economic problems. But uh, the average Russian is just like the average American. It's not like the evil empire. And uh, these are people that are looking to uh, develop their economy. And uh, let's just say that every country... Uh, is burdened with the behavior of the government that they've elected. And in the case of the Soviet Union, it's only been recently where they could really have any uh, election and the vote would mean something. So you are pretty much what we see is what we get. No, there's more to get than what you see. What I'm telling you is that the news doesn't really show you the way things are over there. Okay, well, what I say is is I see people wanting to be free and wanting a better life as opposed to certain politicians who are doomsayers who say we better keep our butts covered because that's not what they want at all. Yeah, let me quote another news thing that I saw today that sent me twirling out of the room. Are you familiar with a controversy over something called maglev? No. The magnetic levitation train? No. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, listen to this. But not the controversy. Well, here's the controversy. We invented it 20 years ago. Okay. And when we invented it, they built a 125th scale model, and that's all we have operational in the United States, is this little toy thing out in somebody's backyard. As soon as we invented it, the Japanese put one-half billion dollars into developing it, and they now have two working full-scale models that go 300 miles an hour. Okay. Uh, the Germans put $1 billion into it, and they now have a completely operational train. Las Vegas recently decided that in order to get more gamblers to go there from Los Angeles, they wanted to build a maglev system between L.A. and Las Vegas. So they had open bidding. There was only one bidder, and it was the Germans, and they got the job. So here's the point. If we would have put $1 billion into developing this technology, in other words, the cost of one B-2 bomber, if we would have put that into developing this technology 20 years ago, we would be in the position for the next quarter of a century to sell this technology to other countries. Instead, we're going to be buying it from everybody else. That made me mad. Well, that's been our problem for years. You know, it always comes down to one B-2 bomber because when we do things, the costs are horrendous, and you can nail it down to one and say we could fund this or we could fund that or we could feed the homeless. That's what the Japanese have excelled at for years. They've taken our products, and they've enhanced them and made them better than we have. Well, you know what? You can't really hate them for doing that because at least somebody made the product, and eventually the consumer gets to use the product. Yeah. If we wait around for us to make the product, I don't know. So we're obviously pretty good at building weapons, but the average guy doesn't have much use for his own personal B-2 bomber. But see, again, I think you're going back to the the morale and the pride of America. You know, you, you look at the Japanese, and the reason they come out, or so we're told, with such excellent products is because they have pride in it. And they say even the lowest Japanese factory worker has pride in the end product of the automobile. And we have pride in the fact that we can get out at 5 o'clock when that whistle blows. And that's pretty much a fact. <laughs> yeah, but there's another thing, too. The way the Japanese government is structured... The government itself will put up the development money for a major project like that, and our government can't, won't, and has no plans to in the future. For all the uh, development of high-technology products, it's very difficult for the private sector to spend the whole uh, load itself to develop the thing. And the Germans, uh, the German government puts cash in, and so does the Japanese government, and it seems to me... That's the right way to do it. If you're taxing people 
and you want to put the money to good use, we're going to get minimal usage out of a whole fleet of B-2 bombers, that's for sure. I hope well, we we'll never get to use them. Well, the but... B-2 is, is already extinct anyway. They were talking with one of the guys who was in research and development for the whole thing, and, I mean, they are a plane that's designed to go off after we've already been in a nuclear war, and what good is that going to do anybody anyway? The reason they're... they're, they're um, uh, the, the stealth bomber is because not can they not be seen, but there's going to be no radar left to look at anything. <laughs> so why stealth it? Exactly. <laughs> so you know, being the being the intelligent we'll that one out. Being the intelligent, articulate man that you are, and I value your opinion. Do you uh, 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 a and b part question? The a part would be what would be your remedy to where we're at. The B part would be almost a statement. Do you think that things are going to change when people like you and me come of age now to become politicians? I look at it that the generation ahead of us who saw the great capital gain appreciations, the maturation of their wealth and all of that, and, and could really give a crap about people my age, which I'm 39 and this generation and younger, are forming the, the politics now. But soon... We are going to be in control. We're going to be left with this, but also we can start voicing our opinions where we think things should be going. Would you agree with that? Well, we, uh, your generation will only be in control if it goes into politics. You see, and your generation, because you know, I'm I'm all I'm 49, and uh, but you're you're still on the fringe. We're both considered boomers. Well, what I'm saying is. Those boomers who choose to go into politics are either people who used to be lawyers or people who were Wall Street guys. Yeah. You know, no regular guy goes into politics because, first of all, it makes him sick, and second of all, he ain't got the cash to win an election. Right. And so that's part of the problem. I would say that the best thing that could happen in the United States is, and I, I know I complain a lot about Republicans, which is not to mean the Democrats are good. I think both political parties are a waste of time. If you really want to do something about politics, everybody should drop out of the political parties and do it on a case-by-case, person-by-person basis. And let's get some private citizens who are not aligned with a party who just want to clean things up, get some people who understand the way business works, and get them into politics. And the other thing is, if a guy is running for election and he says he used to be a lawyer, run the other way. No matter what parties. But it's like, who is it? You know, we talk about, um, let's say, Sheriff Nick Navarro, who has made the news with the Two Live Crew thing and a variety of other things. You know, his opponent was recently put to trial for wanting to put a hit on Navarro as far as killing him. I mean, these were our choices. You know, so where are the choices? It's just, I don't... Let me, let me tell you about the new American politics. You're involved in it now because you're on the radio talking. I think that the power of radio talk shows is a force to be reckoned with. And you, you can see that from when uh, the, everybody got excited about the congressional pay raises. Right. And I think that talk radio is good because it's participatory and it's more like, um, it, it's more like the way government ought to work, where people get to say what's on their mind and there's some participation in there. If there was a way to just take a look at the business of government, the machinery of it, and modernize it to the point where you can get a decision faster. You can make things um, work uh, in a more fair uh, way that keeps in touch with the people who have given permission to the legislators to have that job. 
You see? I well, again, but you're, you're thinking idealistically like I do. I brought up the point that on Thursday nights, once a month, we ought to have the president sit down, and we all ought to have our little electronic boxes, and he says, here's what we have a chance to vote on. How do you feel? And, I, you know, I, I think what I'm hearing is you would agree with that. But no, what it comes down to... I don't think a little electronic box is the answer because, you know, somebody can corner that market. But well, in theory... have access to a, a telephone than they do to the specially installed electronic box. But you understand what I'm saying. In theory, what I'm saying is we've lost the say in our government. And when you do a talk show like this, and I come in and I said that I got really angry one day just going through the paper, it was all on economic issues, and I start talking about this, all you hear is frustration from people. What you're saying is very accurate, but so much easier said than done. Anybody who has tried to approach government with any kind of say at all, and seeing how easily they're rebutted and how you don't really matter, you're just a taxpayer, is just appalled, and it just makes you just want to go and lay down or move someplace else. Or use drugs, for example. Exactly. Because you just feel like there's no hope. You have no say in your own country anymore. So when I'm looking to you, Frank Zappa, uh, extremely articulate man, show me something that I'm missing. Because I sense just a, and for myself, a great deal of frustration with absolutely no solutions. Well, I think we've summed up the problem pretty well. The, the, what you do about it is uh, kind of a matter of taste. You can take the idealistic approach. Or you can you know, just go out there and get blotto. I think most people decided on the blotto way, and that's the reason why anybody's war on drugs is never going to work. Because exactly. as long as there is uh, uh, the feeling of frustration and that the future doesn't belong to you and your American dream is just withered on the vine. I'm in total agreement. You know, that's, that's the crux of the biscuit as far as any kind of a drug situation. So you don't have the answers either. Now I've got to move on to somebody else. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, though? Sure, I understand. We're, you know, we're all, I mean, I, anything. But, you know, I told you what I would do, and you say yeah. it's idealistic. I don't, uh, other than that, what do you want, civil war? Well, how can we get involved? I mean, you say we can do this, so what, what do we do in, here in South Florida, in Miami, what do we do today? First thing you do is keep track of who's voting for what in your state legislature, and if they aren't doing things the way you want, you've got to make sure they don't get in at, again. And at the same time, there has to be a little spark, a civic spark somewhere there where somebody who is not one of the bad guys says, uh, I got to run. Yeah. Okay. And it's you know, so, the only way. I mean, you can't, if you don't participate in the, the process of democracy, you really don't have a right to complain about it. The only, the only place that falls apart is the guy who says, I'm not a bad guy, turns out to be a bad guy. And, you know, how do you trust people at face value? See, I'm, I'm, real, I'm a real pessimist at this point because we've been lied to so many times. How do you trust people at face value? I'm the guy you're looking for. So you believe in him, you put faith in him, and then... Well, you know, I think we're... To get to the, the real utopian scenario, we're going, to, we're going to have to wait for a few billion more years of evolution so that nature produces truly good guys. Nobody's perfect, you yeah. know what I mean? But... Uh, the business of government is not a nice business. It's not a clean business because even the best guy who goes into it has to do business with the rest of the crooks that are still in there. Exactly. So what can you expect from a guy if he's like your neighbor and you trust him and he gets in there and he, he's, he's climbing into a pit full of snakes if he walks into the state legislature? And to survive, you've got to act like a snake. Well, maybe you don't have to act like a snake, but, you know, if you're diving into all that doo-doo, some of it's going to stick to your shirt. Yeah. 
So what you're saying as a talk show host, I should get a record of our legislatures every day and keep these people posted. I think that'd be like the sports scores. You ought to say who's in there, what they voted for, and what they're doing. You could do the community a big service by doing these two things. Like if your ballot is as complicated as the one that I see in California, somebody needs to explain the issues on the ballot in plain English because they're always worded in the in an obscure way. Well, down here in plain Spanish. Yeah. Well, you know, somebody has to explain what the ballot actually says. Yeah. And ours is so complicated, I hate to say it, I send it to a lawyer to tell me what it says. Yeah. Well, and they've made it that way, though. They want it to be that way. That's right. Then they keep the schools poor so that there's no hope that if you graduate from school, you'll ever be able to read it anyway. And there's another thing. I mean, this is, Frank, I was really looking forward to this. This is a depressing call. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, I know you do. But I think that what you ought to do is uh, try and do that uh, legislative sports score thing and, and tell people what they're voting on. Let me give you another horrible example okay. of the way tax money gets used by state legislatures to fund things that are unbelievably stupid. You've heard of a state called Arizona? I think. Well, they got a lot of SNLs down there and yeah, you a bet. lot of bad people. Well, they also have a state legislature that borders on the absurd, because recently they spent a long time debating what is now known as the Arizona Dildo Law. <laughs> there is a law in Arizona, it passed the state legislature, that says uh, it is illegal to own more than five dildos in the state of Arizona. <laughs> now, and they debated this. And how they arrived at the number five, I don't know. But what I really want to know is how are they going to enforce it? Well, that's what I was saying about the sodomy laws and all of that. They're just keeping themselves busy with things that they shouldn't even have to pay any attention to. Well, I was thinking that in Arizona there's going to be the dildo police knocking on your door. The guy mm -hmm. comes in, looks in your refrigerator <laughs> to see whether you've got any zucchinis in there. <laughs> and he's standing in the living room with a pocket calculator doing up your total. And if you've got too many, well, then obviously you're going to have to go and have the death penalty or something. You haven't changed at all. <laughs> well, listen, what a, you know, I have never talked with you before. What a pleasure. I know that you, uh, as a matter of fact, talked with us 20 minutes longer than you were going to. We have a full board of your fans. You should know that. Nine people waiting to talk to you who aren't going to be able to. I will invite you. i do it again another time, okay? There you go. Anytime yeah. you get in South Florida, an in-person guest would be more than welcome. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. We wish you the best. All right, see ya. Thank you. Yeah, bye -bye. Frank Zappa, our guest this afternoon, a um, interesting man, to say the least. And we'll be back on 610 WIOD.